0: Iron Radio listeners. This is ironradio.org. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, former editor at Muscle Magic International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current strength enthusiast.
1: Hey, uh, good morning, everybody. Charles Staley, author of Muscle Logic, creator of Escalating Density Training, and uh, I'm also a master's level competitive weightlifter.
2: Uh Phil Stevens, strength coach for Staley Training Systems, uh, founder of org, and uh, competitive power lifter.
3: And this is Mario Mavridis. I am a former competitive bodybuilder, currently uh, uh, trainer to the stars, as they say. I, I mean that with, with tongue firmly planted in cheek. Don't take me too seriously.
1: <laughs> hey, I should for, add that to my bio. What's that? <laughs> I should add that to my bio.
3: Ah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you can
2: take it. It's all yours. <laughs> also, we got we got Christopher Drummond with us. Chris, you want to say a couple things?
4: Yeah, Christopher Drummond, former competitive bodybuilder, actually thinking of getting back into it. Current uh, competitive powerlifter, uh, co-writing a book on uh, manscaping with Phil at the at the moment.
1: <laughs> oh, good <laughs>
2: lord!
1: Good lord!
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's,
2: You should see the pictures. It's wonderful. It's it's. I don't know if pictorial. I can condone that. Uh, it's
4: it's more more like a button. panoramic Scratches photo. And panoramic, yeah, have um,
1: panoramic photos. Oh, exactly. So are you guys gonna have any? Are you gonna have any disclaimers in that book just for liability purposes?
4: Uh, it's going to be shrink wrapped in plastic with a, you know, must be wow. eighteen years old to read or have uh, much parental consent. Twenty vision. Oh, of course. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and imagine it's all shot with a wide angle lens, right? Oh
4: yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> shot <Yeah>. from space. <laughs> From the Hubble telescope.
2: (laughs) Um, These two are kind of joining us today and inviting them on to uh, talk about the topic, which uh, Rob will kick off right now.
0: Our topic today is um, slow movements versus fast ones and I think we should get a good conversation going regarding this considering that we um, have a nice selection right now on today of uh, physique athletes or former physique athletes uh, and strength athletes so um, the application of each um, can be very useful Um, but of course in, in, in strictly in bodybuilding circles. Uh, There's always been lots of talk about uh, whether fast uh, movements or slow movements are better for hypertrophy, uh, this type of thing, so chime in, people.
4: All right.
3: Well, typically, people talk about uh, slow movements and fast movements, um, but the the topic of time under tension will always come up. Um, My understanding of the, the whole notion of the traditional three Three sets of ten to fifteen reps or ten to twelve repetition came from the idea that the ideal tension to promote hypertrophic gains uh, was somewhere in the neighborhood of about some. Uh, and Guys, correct me if I'm wrong here. Somewhere in the neighborhood of about twenty-five to thirty-five seconds. As high, I've heard as high as forty, um, 40
4: seconds. I've heard, yeah. yeah.
3: What's that?
4: I've heard as high as forty seconds. Yeah. Yeah.
3: There you go. And now, and that, and that's where it came from. Um, but more recently, and and again, that's sound. That's certainly as as, as Withstood the test of time in many circles and, and millions of people training that way. But more recently, there's been some discussion about, um, force generation and uh, high threshold motor recruitment as it relates to lifting fast. Um, I know certainly, Charles, you've, you've spoken quite eloquently on this and, and, a big proponent, um, on this. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I tend to lean more towards that side with the caveat, of course, that the execution of the movement be really really particular and really really
0: perfected
1: okay so that, well, i mean that, that it, that's a really good point and yeah. um you know w- one of the things that's always struck me over the years is that uh, the, the amount of people who equate uh quote good form with slow speed yes uh, and so in other words you know we'll have somebody coming to my facility and and they get a questionnaire that they need to fill out, and uh you know at the end, they'll say, "Oh, I just want to let you know like I'm just a stickler for a good technique." Mm-hmm. Now, I always know what that means is is that it just means that they they move slow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know you can have you can have good fast technique and you can have poor slow technique, but it is remarkable how many people under the under the conscious level just sort of have this assumption that slow means it's good form. And mm-hmm. uh, I think
0: that that um is pioneered through through the the fact that most people when they're trying to become better or or improve their technique it's more of a conscious effort to go slow so you you know I think that's yeah. where it comes from.
3: Yeah, and certainly what when you're learning a movement going slow to to break down the movement into individual components uh you know uh, the first or second pull of a deadlift for example or, or or a clean whatever the movement is um you know breaking it down to its its component parts and 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 component actual rotations then you can say yeah okay I'm going to I'm going to move through this slowly to understand it um yeah. and there's certainly something to be said about that but at some point you're going to want to generate some speed some force I mean um to 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 relate to your power lifters, I remember speaking with one uh, one uh, fellow who did a lot of power lifting years ago said to me, "I defy you to jump on a to, to jump off the ground slowly. Yeah. You know, you, you can't do it.
1: Yeah. You just no, can't Phil generate can the it. speed.
3: What's Phil that?" actually yeah. Phil
1: can actually do it.
3: Oh really? Okay. No,
1: no, I mean I know your point. I understand your point. No, Phil can <laughs> actually do that though.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Got those anti grab boots, do
1: you? if you actually never leave the floor, is that still a jump?
4: <laughs> well, that's you know, if,
1: li- listen. Um, a lot of people don't understand that concept, and as long as you have attempted to jump, yes,
3: uh, yes. it
1: still counts. Even if you don't, even if you don't lose uh, contact with the floor. Yeah, <laughs> now,
3: now that's, certain, that, that's certainly certainly com- uh, That's kind. I mean, I don't know if you meant that humorously or not, but there's some some discussion <laughs> about just the, the, the intent can generate yes, enough drive yes, to, yes. to 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 uh, recruit those high threshold motor units, well, even if you're that. not actually moving quickly
1: all about tension yeah
3: exactly just
1: just to just to reinforce the point you were making that we were both making you know there's a big difference between you ever see any of the west side barbell videos of those guys doing like speed benches you know or Mm -hmm. speed pulls. there's a big difference between that and johnny mctrainer doing a set of bench presses (laughs) in the gym that like the only way i could articulate this over the phone is is um if you ever have been fishing and you, you take the fish off the hook and kind of throw it on the ground, and the way it, like, flops around, is, that's what these guys look like benching. So there's <laughs> a big difference between that and a controlled, you know, force output. Yes.
4: Yeah. Uh,
3: no, absolutely. And, uh, okay, it's funny, You earlier you mentioned about, oh, I'm, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about the guy who comes in and says, hey, I'm a stickler for form. Um, my my training is uh, and my education is specifically in biomechanics. That's where I started from. Um so with a solid foundation in, in physics you 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 start to to view everybody's the way people move very differently and um it it gives you you must be really critical of of moves and and how people put how people move their body to complete a movement like for example um rob i remember you and i we worked out together at ruse Jim. i don't know if you remember that a few years ago
0: no actually uh, I don't
3: there you you don't remember training at ruse
0: Oh, I do remember there. Yeah. Oh,
3: okay. We worked out together a um, couple right times at Ruth. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: Yeah. Any event, and I remember we were we we were doing. You were showing me the, the your powerlifting style of a bench press versus the more the more traditional uh, bodybuilding style I was using, and I remember trying. And for years after that, to be honest with you, I adopted your style of of bench pressing. Um, so you made a big impact on me, Rob. Just want you to know that. <laughs> and, and then, and then I started, then I, then when I got deeper and deeper into my studies of the, of the mechanics and the physics of the movement specifically, I started to identify that because of the structure of my shoulder, I wasn't able to perform the movement the way you did, and that forced me to change things up. Now, what that did as it relates to our topic today is I had to slow things down to identify the weakness. To identify the weak link, so to speak. But now I'm back up to the speed because I think that the speed, now that I've quote-unquote mastered or, if you will, mastered the movement as it relates to my my structure, now I can speed it up. And that's a really important point, I think, for people who are debating whether they should be lifting slow or lifting fast. Um, You really have to master the movement. You really have to understand your your mechanics, your structure, your form, and then follow through there.
1: All right, so there's there's one check for the slow movement camp, right? So yeah. the first one being that it's for learning purposes, and I, I fully agree that it's appropriate. And, uh, you know, with clients, I always make the example, when I used to teach martial arts, we used to uh, we used to have people do things in slow motion sometimes. And the reason is, is that if you throw a punch as fast as you can, on the conscious level, you're kind of only aware of the beginning and the end, but kind of nothing in between. Whereas mm-hmm. if you do it slowly... You can kind of, you know, digest the entire movement path. So uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good point.
2: And then you get into, I mean, th- there's misconceptions as well when you get into certain moves. And say Olympic lifting, speed is required to hit proper form. To even practice proper form.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: You can't do even a, like a 50% clean slaw.
3: No, yeah, you can't. Right. <laughs> you know.
2: And then people see, you know, say powerlifting. Um, a heavy deadlift. And they say, well, it's slow. Well, the yeah, only it reason it's slow that. is because it's freaking heavy.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I had a 14 second pull, and I guarantee I wasn't trying to grind it out. I was yeah. moving that thing as fast as I could.
3: Yeah. Okay, so that, now that speaks to the neural drive or the neural intent. And in your case as a power lifter, okay, your, your goal is to move maximum poundage from point A to point B, no matter what that lift is. Okay, along the, uh, in the, in the range of, of the lift. Now for someone who's more interested in the, in the hypertrophy benefits on that side of the continuum or spectrum, now, now you start talking about, oh, well, there's time under tension. Right? And now we're saying, okay, well you have to maintain this magical thirty second uh uh tension uh totality in order to achieve um uh, the, the the fibrous response that you're looking for.
4: And uh, and to I I mean,
3: that makes sense yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: I just haven't chimed in yet. I, I I've just been kinda of listening, but along that lines when you start talking about hypertrophy, I think there are many different ways of getting that time under tension. You know, in, instead of just breaking it down into like concentric and eccentric, mm-hmm. I mean, there's two portions of a lift that are also isometric. That's, and right. I yep. usually, I usually That's take, right. I usually take, I usually take advantage of the bottom end isometric as my time under tension, and along with, along the lines, it also includes increases uh, improves my powerlifting abilities too because it teaches you tightness. Mm-hmm. Oh, to pause on things, you mean? Yeah, when you pause a weight in an isometric uh, contraction, like, say, on a bench press, in a squat, you know. <laughs> I'm,
0: no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you that actually that, mentioned that because, yeah, a considerable amount of control can be built with, the, with that type of technique, absolutely.
1: I'm, I'm laughing because Drummond did an article for us one time that had to do with, like, cheating on the powerless, and <laughs> it was about mechanical advantage. But now I'm really like – his whole mind frame is, like, around cheating, like – so, so in other words, like, when you lock out two seconds before you lower the vents, like, you're counting that two seconds as time under tension. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, Spiritual tension, <laughs> if you will. I, I
2: think, you know – I'm, I'm
1: just bagging you, but your point is correct. I mean, a lot of people just think it's just concentric and eccentric, but you're right. There are two static uh, phases of, of those lists as well, yeah.
2: I think, I think, as well, another huge thing that's missed, and we just had a great discussion this morning on this on, on the forum – People have the tendency to look at time under tension in a, in a very small microscopic view as one set instead of over a workout okay. or even over a, a macro or micro cycle. You know, I can get a lot of time under tension under singles that I'm moving fast. And if you're I doing do enough a handful of you know, you don't have to, people always think one set and it's like, I don't need to go balls out on one set. I mean, the, the workout's a lot more than one set. Well, yeah, I well mean, and, and that holds true
3: with the, aggregate, the just aggregate work volume in general, isn't it? Yeah. We've, we're, we've, we're paying so much more attention to it uh, now with um, uh, with understanding that, the, like, like, tracking your poundage totals, for example, at the end of a workout and using that. Uh, I mean, Charles, you, I, I recently started using your EDT system, for example, and I'm paying so much more attention to um, my aggregate work volume at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, and and it's true. I mean, it'd be interesting, I, wasn't it? Tate, Dave Tate, that did something about um, he took a stopwatch to measure the time he recently wrote an article on that, didn't he? On on timing it?
2: Yeah, 30 seconds is 30
3: seconds, is that what it was? Good. Okay, I, I I don't remember the article exactly, but the same kind of thing, now we're recognizing that there's more ways to measure this yeah. than just the number of repetitions, number of sets and kind of hoping we hit this magical number you know, and I think that as long as you understand that it, you don't have to be one camp or the other and recognize it's just different paths with the same goal
4: what do no. you guys feel of the uh the four number tempo? The tempo. Four like a, a yeah. four number tempo. Like you're you're counting your you know, your your uh eccentric seconds, your uh isometric pause seconds. Well, you
1: know, Bill Fun- Phillips if, if, you, you, you ever saw you ever saw body you ever read Body for Life?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Bill Phillips said that each rep should take long enough to say, I'm building my body for life? <laughs> what? Well, I no, no, I just, no, I just want to. I just want to clue people into a, a method that works a lot better than that, uh-huh. which is um, each rep should take you long enough to say "make checks payable to Staley Training System, P. O. <laughs> Box 2334, Gilbert, Arizona 85299." Good. That works way better. Indeed. Considerable time
3: under test. That's hypertrophy of a different of a different kind, isn't it?
1: No, um, that's, that's for more of a sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Um, <laughs> response but you know it's all it's all good i mean that sounds like a couple press commands i've gotten
4: in the past
3: (laughs) (laughs) well um well the the whole time attention thing uh sorry the whole uh, tempo thing uh, as you're referring to there uh, on a personal note i've never paid too much attention to it um again because i think uh, at the end of the day at the end of the workout you're looking at well what was the total what what did you what did you finish That's with? Right. how much weight did you move and does it really matter if i spend you know a uh, uh, one point three six seconds in the bottom of, in the fully extended position versus my fully contracted position i i am i there's more well, there's more important well, things to worry about i think
1: are are we all we're all in agreement that there should be time under tension though right
4: oh
3: well, of course there has i mean to be there has, <laughs> it'd be physically impossible not to
4: right and this is just I, my opinion it may vary from other people <laughs> but i <laughs> But when it comes to maximal, maximal strength and hypertrophy, I think the time under tension should be spent more in the eccentric pause at the bottom, and then you always move the bar as fast as you can during a concentric.
1: I agree.
2: I agree. Uh, that's oh, how it, I tend, tend to is is that? that.
4: Yep. I, I, think, I mean, uh, I'll
2: just throw it out the window and just keep it simple and say, you know, if you want hypertrophy, if you're consistently adding how about more if I want hypertrophy? If you're adding more weight on the bar and moving it well in correct form, you're going to get bigger. I think that it was. Yeah. I, I
3: think that's, that's safe it. to say. I mean, that's yeah. that's certainly you know you got the law of repetitive action motion. Right, it's going to happen, it's, and you're going to be repeating things over and over again uh, under increased load. You can't help but but yeah. um, but improve.
2: So just why? I mean, so many people get caught up on. I'm going to do this to look better. Why not just go with the form follows function? If you perform better, and you go in the weight room. To kick the weight room's ass instead of kick your own ass, mm-hmm. you're gonna look good. Just
3: yeah, by but default. That, but like and, that. and that's yeah. that's certainly true. I mean that's true, but you've got you've got years and if not decades of conditioning, right, that we're that we're fighting against.
4: Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I
3: think that's that's the deal. I mean I I run a, a large fitness facility uh, uh, up here, and you know we got thousands and thousands of of members. And you know I'm always sitting out, out there having these seminars and these discussions. You know, don't 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 be a slave to three by fifteen or or even worse, you know, three by twenty or whatever the case is. Don't that, be a that slave
4: a, to anything.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, don't be slave to anything. Just try, try top different top things, place. and 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 you're finding there, there's so much emotional attachment to time under tension yeah. to certain particular set and rep ranges. You know, to particular exercises, for example, um, because they worked for you know, insert physique athlete here, um, you've got to constantly just sell the notion to try something different.
4: Yeah.
3: And it drives me crazy. But that's the reality, I suppose. You
2: know, we could come up there and help you sell that idea.
3: Hey, anytime okay, you, you know, want, you guys. You're more than welcome.
1: And we're, we're ready.
3: You're more than welcome. I'd love to have you all come up here. Laying but on. Jimmy, we man? going
1: you a- take us, Will you take us to dinner at the CM Tower?
3: The CN Tower. Oh, the food there's not so good. I got many better no, places it's than
1: good. that. Really good.
3: We we have this place called Mandarin up here.
1: Yeah. Oh no, man. CN Tower.
0: CN Tower. All right, if that's what you want. Just for you. I
1: had a good I had a good prime the there a few years compensatory ago.
0: Compensatory acceleration, which is kind of um yeah, what you guys definitely. were talking about a few minutes ago, but the whole yeah. idea of lowering or eccentric um under control uh, slow if you will, and then exploding through the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that really does t- tend to work a lot. And I think you get kind of the best of both worlds on that, not yeah, not yeah. the least of which is that you're kind of almost doing a um, very subtle form of negatives with that type of training, but then you're yeah, also yeah. training, the, you know, the, the accelerating part of the, you know, blasting through the rep. And as, as Phil says, I mean, even when you're doing a heavy rep um, or heavy weight, you obviously should always try to um, move the weight as fast as possible through the concentric part of the movement, I think, Um and bar speed is always not a good indicator of, you know, how fast you're actually trying to move the weight, so. Well, you well, I can't move
4: even, anything over 60% quickly anyway.
0: You're absolutely typically.
2: not. I think absolutely even more not. so, I mean, if people actually take the time and learn how to do the moves correctly, say a bench press, you know, that eccentric, you're you're looking to, if they get the proper tightness, you know, mm-hmm. you'll come out of a bench workout without rowing a thing, and you'll have sore lats. From that Eccentric movement and that pause from actually learning how to get tight.
4: Well, most people don't realize that when you do, like, say, a bench press, they say, you you tell them what they worked, they worked their pecs, and they may even say, that I worked my triceps. Well, to (laughs) lower a weight, I mean, are you using your pecs to lower a weight? (laughs) Exactly. You (laughs) know, to to do that slow, you know, uh, eccentric, I mean, that's all lats, back, you know and to lower it slow you got to contract those lats you know and and, and most people don't realize that you know, well, you're getting a whole body workout by doing a slow eccentric and then getting that that pause to uh, hold uh, the weight tight and then that fast concentric you know
3: one of the things that uh, i i mean that's a that's a fantastic point you bring up a really interesting uh topic here uh one of the things that i often have discussions with people uh, and uh, is and I often infuriate people with is, you know, they say, Oh, I'm working chest today and I say, Oh, really? And then this is the discussion. Are you really? Or are you working everything? Everything's connected. Every no matter what joint these muscles are crossing, um, you know, particularly say the shoulder. You got so many muscles crossing over, providing having um a moment to the axis of the shoulder, they've 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 all they're all changing roles depending on where in the motion you are in what position yeah. you are, and you know percentage of load, all these things. So it's never as simple as oh, I'm training chest today, and and well, why is this important to the typical weekday weekend warrior? Well, because you need to lay out your workouts properly. Yeah. If you're going to be doing a split or full body or whatever, you need to understand. So you're not, uh, you know, what we call. So you are rotating your tires, so to speak, meaning you're not constantly working that same groove. Now that th- that that you were the day before. Now I know that's a little different for you powerlifters because you guys want to get in that groove, right? If I'm not mistaken. You want you want to get a particular positioning of your of of every joint relative to the other joint. Is that whole true?
2: Yeah, pretty much most of the time okay. unless you're targeting a weak weakness.
3: A weakness. Okay, but that that's that's even better because then you have to yeah. identify it, right? Yeah. Okay, so then there's a whole series of assessment protocols and and, and testing to do for that. Um, but anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is, you, you, and, and sorry uh, uh, to add to your point there, was that Chris that made the point about working your lots and everything, or yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the same idea, you know, you're you're getting so much more involved, and the slower you go, the more you're gonna feel it. And and to what Rob was saying, it is like doing a, a little a slow negative, if you will, you know, and you go and that's and you, as we all know, with the eccentrics, you're gonna get a little more pain. Uh yeah, you know, recovery. Injuries,
1: injuries change that equation too. I mean. Yep. Well, I know. think I think you just touched on a good good spot and why
2: people love the tempo so much.
1: hmm
2: It hurts. hurts. You feel <laughs> it. You feel it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and people don't they're like, you know, well I'm moving stuff fast and it's like, well, I don't care. You know, if you if you take a simple bicep curl and you move twice the load fast and you don't feel it, you're you're working your bicep. I mean mm. you to put your arm in flexion. It's, I don't, you know, like Charles says, I don't care if you feel it in your big toe. You're using your body. You're using
3: your body. That's true. Yeah. 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 Oh, some interesting stuff. That's for sure.
1: Well, what do you guys think about this? Okay. Because I never hear people talk about this, but what about the concept of intra-rep tempo changes? Okay. So, for example, I've always thought an argument could be made. Maybe not if you're squatting 900 in a power meet, but in many applications, that let's say you're back squatting that the descent can be initiated somewhat quickly, but the lower you go, the slower you should go to overcome that momentum. Oh, I saw that. So that way you strike, you strike a balance because clearly if the eccentric phase of the repetition is too slow, you waste energy. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if it's too fast, you just have too much momentum to overcome out of the hole so the, the happy medium, I always thought, was that you can initiate the descent relatively faster and complete the descent relatively slower, and then you get kind of a happy a happy medium. And I never see that discussed.
0: Well, i suggest, suggest that you bring that up, because you definitely notice that like elite lifters definitely tend to descend into the whole slow, like power lifters.
4: Well, I think you also, when you say that, you have to preface it by stating whether you're talking about equipped or raw.
0: Mm-hmm. And no doubt about
2: dependent. it.
0: It's low. Yeah, no,
4: that is well. a good you point, too. Yeah. With, yeah. That's with, a very good
2: point. You got somebody with 225 on their back, they can drop in the hole pretty quick. You get 800 pounds on somebody's back. If they drop in the hole quick, that 800, due to momentum, turns into 1600 or plus real quick.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: you got to go slower. or you're just going to be plastered to the
0: ground, and knees are going to be flying. Well, your well. knees are going to get shotgun blast <laughs> into the mirror. <laughs> <Well, laughs> so well, well, it.
3: So, you also gotta consider sorry, you also have to consider the the you know, the elastic potential of, of, of the muscle and the connective tissue that's yeah. that's flowing that's, that's flowing that descent on the eccentric motion, right? That's,
1: so that's I just point because there are people who can really just uh get a ton out of the stress shortening cycle and, and mm-hmm. other people who seem to not really rely on it at all. I think that's a great point. I well, at the, bo- at the bottom of the
3: movement, if, if we're gonna—I mean, I, I don't know if you—I know it's somewhat controversial—but there is, there's, you know, the, the, the length-tension relationship. If we're in the fully um, uh, lengthened or fully contracted position, our ability to generate torque over that particular joint is, is lessened, and we seem to be strongest in the mid-range. So, if you guys are dropping down—oh, sorry, you guys—if if the athlete, or whoever is dropping down all the way to that bottom, they may require that bounce that 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 elastic potential yeah. to get them out of that shortened position where they're the weakest and then start to apply uh, mechanical and neurological advantage as they lengthen to that midpoint again at what cost right uh, anything is, is doable it just depends what cost uh, t- to what extent you know well, so i can tell if, you
0: that tom platz used to uh take his set so far that i mean he would start reasonably controlled and Towards the end of his sets with three hundred and fifteen or four hundred and five, I mean the guy was ballistic. I mean he'd be just dropping down.
3: Yeah, and um, and and he was fortunate, I guess, to have a, a high tolerance for that kind of thing. But well, I would imagine the average guy or girl, you know, bouncing off with uh, with twice their body weight, might be in trouble.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that's just years and years of developing the mechanical, you know. Yeah, I, I would
1: argue. I, I would argue you can temper your your, your tissues to to tolerate that oh, certainly in a, in a judicious way. Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Let's I mean, think it takes a lot of time of training to be able to get yourself into a you know yeah. a, a position where your joints get, have that theory that can they can handle that.
1: Why don't we get practical with all this, okay, and and um, apply this to you know a real world kind of movement? So, how would you guys apply all this to a tricep uh, kickback?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh never mind.
0: Uh.
4: Well, oh, exactly.
3: it depends. Where's the motion initiated by? it, the shoulder joint or the or the elbow joint? And then we
4: can talk. It's complicated. It would really depend know. on the color of the dumbbell. Well, the, the <laughs>
0: a... Things are again, This is a little too hardcore for us, though.
1: You know that you might
4: be onto something with that. <laughs> and whether that my my planning leg is straight or on the bench.
3: Wait, let me go down to my group exercise class and see what they're doing. I'll get back to you.
4: Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd you like
0: to a, say something I'll that was being spoken about ago about the whole idea of um you know going down fast and slowing it as you near the bottom i think i think that's something that's very prudent for certainly safety reasons but i think um and get both the best boils as we're as we're talking about but there is something to be said about the whole idea as has been said about um going down with control or, or, or you know a certain amount of slowness and then actually um like was said speeding up right at the bottom so you kind of get that elastic kind of rebound mm-hmm. um and providing your kind of Advanced enough as a lifter that you can actually do that and not hurt yourself. I I think absolutely. Like, you know, if you're doing like pause reps or something on a squat where you're actually sitting on the bottom, you know, maybe one or two inches above the point where you're going to be in a full, you know, full seated position, and then you just kind of let almost let the groin muscle and everything just let go and then almost just spring back into a point where you can kind of, you know, quote unquote grab with the muscle again and then push through, you know?
3: Well, you got to remember one thing about that, though, and I hear you, and um, I. There's a fella, I don't know if you guys remember a fella, uh, he's passed away now, a guy named Trevor Smith. He developed a system, a really big dude. He was a big bodybuilder guy. Failure. Anyway, pardon me?
2: The Beyond Failure guy.
3: Beyond Failure guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did a training session with him in Vegas when I was there for a, a conference in a different career. Uh, Any event, smart dude, uh, and he was all about the, the pausing at the end, but for him it was just about maximizing um, or minimizing momentum and, and that rebound effect. But irrespective, um, what I was getting at, uh was oh actually I don't know. I just forgot my point. <laughs>
4: Damn
3: it. I, I got sidetracked talking about Trevor and I forgot what the hell I was gonna say. Um Dude, honestly
4: dropping at the last moment or dropping the last car. moment.
3: Right, right. Oh, honestly, I totally forgot. Go ahead without me and I'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey,
0: I think you know what? Bill,
1: you know can... no, shut them up. You know you know what you can respect about Trevor? Is that guy really walked the walk.
0: I mean, yeah, he did go sure. beyond
1: failure. And um I don't know man, I, I saw him one time in the supermarket when I was living in Vegas and uh yeah. I don't know man, that guy didn't look healthy.
3: No, he didn't. Yeah. He did not. And uh he took
1: life beyond failure. Yeah. Yeah,
3: he did. <laughs>
1: no, he didn't he didn't just preach, you know, he practiced what he preached and yeah. um but you know, he just had this color that you know I've purple. never seen I'd never seen human flesh that color before.
3: Yeah. And, uh,
1: but anyway.
3: Yeah, well, whenever you walk around over 400 pounds, you know.
1: Yeah, at 5'3", uh, yeah. at 9% yeah. body fat,
4: the heart, yeah. the heart rate's
1: more of a hum instead of a beat. <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, mm. you know, if you guys understand rape coding, I mean, his freaking yeah. cardiac muscle was absolutely fused. I mean, it was just, there was not even a pulse. Yeah, well,
3: that's what they found when they they did the autopsy on him afterwards, and and yeah, he was in some rough shape, and he was he was down to three hundred and sixty pounds when he had his his fatal heart attack. Wow. So man, yeah, it's down from down from four twenty. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, good lord indeed. Oh, um, oh, I had it again.
1: What right, the go hell on. were we? <laughs> oh boy. Let's just talk about Trevor Smith, okay? I'm tired about the whole temple thing. I just want to talk about Trevor. Uh, he
3: was a good dude. He was a good dude. for that. I way. never knew him. No, he was, he was a nice fellow, really nice fellow, and uh, a very bright, very bright fellow. And uh, I only met him the one time, and he was very gracious and the whole bit, but it was enough to make an impact, I suppose. I mean, I've never seen a, a human being that monstrous before, that's for sure. All right, or since, for that matter. Wow.
4: Was he bigger than
1: bullbacks
3: What's that?
0: Is he bigger than Kovacs? Yeah, he was. He
1: was. No, he is the largest. Yeah. He carried more mass relative to his height with without body fat. I don't even think there's a human being that could touch that guy. Yeah,
3: I, I have to agree. I mean, I've seen Greg and spoken to Greg in the whole bit, and but but Trevor was was something else. I mean, wow, crazy, just unbelievably large, unbelievably large.
0: Was he heavy into the muscle tech?
3: <laughs> uh no, he had his own. <laughs> yes, because it made him 16543 percent bigger. Uh no. Uh
4: <laughs> so he
3: had his own uh his own uh supplement company, actually. That's supposed to be sure. never uses stuff, they're supposed to be pretty good. You know
4: creatine is roids, you stay away from
3: it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've heard that. You know, the, the mother of the of the kid I just told training to said the same thing. Uh um, oh,
1: I I think it is a gateway substance to protein powder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Don't get me started
1: oh, okay. on nitric acid. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Do you, do you think? Do you guys think it's uh, – what do you think about the whole kind of west side idea of, like, in, in the span of a week, um, doing a, a lift twice and one time doing a max effort or whatever, um, more for, like, grinding strength, and the other one, like, accelerated fast? Well,
4: I personally think that that's geared more towards a geared lifter. Um, yeah. If you're lifting in gear, I think – you should split your training up into more of a, you know, uh, dynamic effort type of lift where you're lifting fast with 60% of you know whatever your max are, and then have a day where you you know go in and you lift maximally, because you have that gear there, to kind of offset some of the fatigue uh, when you're lifting raw. Uh, I I personally can't have two days. I actually incorporate my speed work in. To my maximum effort work when I feel like the bar speed is slowing.
0: Actually, like that's, if, that's interesting you say that because I, I somewhat do the same thing. i found that um, drug free and raw lifting doesn't usually um, go very well with twice a week kind of stuff in that fashion. It just burns the hell out of you. Yeah. Now,
3: now that's for as it relates to power yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that, yeah, lifting. Yeah. You guys have
3: right? Okay. Because from we a body-building perspective, uh, perspective. From bodybuilding perspective, from a bodybuilding perspective, I've actually found the opposite. I've actually found that, uh, again, assuming you're, you're not going. Completely balls to the wall every time. So you're not doing maximal effort. Not maximal. You're working dynamic, working the whole bit. Uh, if, if you're contrasting your, your your training style from one workout to the next, I have no problem recommending to uh, non geared, non supplemented athletes uh, training uh, twice a week, body part. Sometimes even more. Again, depending on what they're doing. If they're coming at it from a different perspective, a different angle. All right, and they're 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 providing stimulus. Um, uh, some kind of stimulus difference. Again, uh, something as simple as just an angular change, where we're putting the line of force through the muscle slightly differently. I, I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, I, I've seen tremendous benefits uh, all over the place with it. With both, you know,
0: it's it's interesting. I've competed both as a bodybuilder and a lifter. And I'll tell you, the the difference in how you um, the stresses and how the, how they affect your kind of ability to kind of you know rebound back into the gym are, are completely different. I mean. You know, I, I don't really even get like you know isolated muscular soreness, even you know like ten percent of what I did when I was a bodybuilder. But I mean, you know, I mean, just the feeling of being wiped after you know hardcore strength training is just is just it's, unbelievable. It's more I mean, it, it just crushes you your, anything, your nervous yeah. system. Crushes. I mean, you're it's it's more of a stiffness. I mean, Phil, you obviously probably know lot well, about that. Hey, eh? you just wake up and you're just you know you're stiff as a board, and uh, you're, you're you just know that your nervous system has been seriously rocked.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I'll give you an example. One of our younger training uh, guys, Joey, he he, he, uh, he uh, posts on uh, daily site. Um, he just went in and, and hit an uh, all-out deadlift, 585 for him, which was like a 30-pound PR. We went in to bench. This was on Tuesday, so this was Thursday. Two days later, we went in and benched. I mean, he couldn't even come close to a number he hit last week just because neurally he was a shot
3: but i've also seen situations and i hear that and that's what you'd expect but i've also seen the opposite where someone hits a pr in a squat for example comes in you know the day next day or the or two days later and hits a pr on a bench by virtue of having primed the nervous system uh as much as possible now the caveat to that would be that it was the first time they'd hit that pr first time they trained with that much intensity yeah. and my feeling is now we we've, we've primed the, the nervous system to accept that level of uh, of, of of excitement or, or activation, so then when he came to do his bench, boom, it was already primed to that point, and he didn't have to go through the whole process of getting it up there with multiple multiple sets.
4: Are we what talking are about a beginner the, lifter or?
3: Yeah, we're talking about a relatively new lifter. I mean, I'm like a year—I can't remember a year or two. It, it wasn't it, it wasn't an experienced or seasoned trainee. That's for sure.
4: And I would argue that that lifter hasn't developed a neural efficiency to even perform a max lift yet. Yeah.
3: Okay, and, and that, you know what? And that's a good point. And certainly, um, it, and we can say that that oh you shouldn't do you shouldn't do it, but they do it. They'll go yeah. and they'll push as hard as they can.
4: No, I'm and, saying they will do it, but I yeah. would say that they haven't developed the efficiency to actually push their body to a limit that it experienced. Yeah, you're oh, I you're saying. I, I understand. Yeah.
3: I understand. No, I, I, get, yeah, I get your point. You're right. So what you're saying is that he had more in reserve anyway.
4: Yeah, is that is anyway. Is that the point? That's yeah, my point. Yeah.
3: Okay, okay, I get it, yeah. And, and that's that. That's probably the case, you know. I think we just, by hitting that, that first PR in the squat, he was able to kind of tap into the deeper reserve that he didn't even know he had. Yeah, and to bring this exactly. back
2: on topic, you know, how do you do that? You know, a lot of getting neurally efficient. Just kick back. is moving heavy, loads fast.
0: Fast, yeah, yeah.
2: Well yeah. do you think that in a
0: temporary sense then on a day that you do want to lift a maximal weight or a sub maximal weight for you know, for a single or a double or something, do you think it then is prudent to go to work through your warm up sets at maybe um an accelerated rep speed? To kind of maintain that? Because I oh, definitely yeah. I, yeah. I definitely find that if you're doing slow sets and slow sets and slow reps, um and then you try to all of a sudden, you know, really push the acceleration, it, it it's temporarily, it might not be like you say, to excite the nervous system or however you want a it, demon it to be. Um I definitely think a little bit more of a kind of accelerated ballistic way of going is a way to do it in you know within the set itself. No, if I
2: know, you... yeah. Personally for me, yeah. I mean my first few sets to get my you know, I'm I got seven year old hips and a in a thirty two year old body. They'll be nice and slow. And then as as soon as I can I'm hitting those heavy loads. Maybe I hit 315 and I do it slow. The next set, I try to do it fast and crisp, and I build up from there. Yeah, and you're, you're getting that speed to get ready for the heavy loads. Uh,
3: I think it, we, I, I think we're all in agreement there. We, we we speed is is absolutely necessary component of of uh, of CNS excitement. I mean that's, that that goes without saying. Should, sorry, not goes without saying, but it it should be pretty clear at this point. Yes. Are right. we
1: done? talking old, about Trevor
4: Smith. What's the old adage? Uh, move a uh heavyweight like it's light and the lightweight leg it's heavy. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. That's exactly it. And I think a lot of newbies and even intermediate and advanced people fall into the the uh trap of warm up sets they want to move the bar slow and it isn't until they get the weight heavier that they actually start thinking about moving a bar fast. When it should be from you know set one should look try to look as fast as the last set, even though the weight is going to be a determining factor on how fast that bar moves. Now,
3: certainly certainly for someone in in a uh, performance-gaining situation or scenario, I think that's that's very true and that holds very true. Again, my concern always is... um, for the For the individual who's learning or just getting started or or that safety is a significant concern and isn't prepared to make the trade off of safety for performance as a lot, a lot of people are particularly when they become competitive athletes um i mean i'm i I'm always- there's always gonna be a place for that slow controlled oh, most, most tight most movement time. you know you
4: have to but, start somewhere and you're gonna start with proper form that's where you always yeah. start.
3: Yeah, and then from there we move on. From once I de- once we identify the weaknesses, once we identify the imbalances that exist, um, you know, you, you can correct it. Ah that I remember what I was gonna say now, guys. So, oh, here we go. <laughs> right. what I was getting at was
4: he was a very attractive man, oh we know. <laughs> I was distracted.
3: Um dro- okay, so we're talking about dropping into the into the hole and, 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 and quickly bouncing back out. One of the things that the body's really good at is that negotiating a solution to the problem with the resources that it has at hand? Meaning, we put the body in that situation where you're, you know, you're you're you're, you're fully you're fully flexed at the hip, your knees are fully flexed, your, your butt's sitting on the ground on your heels, about to pop up from a squat with a weight on your shoulders. Okay, body's going to try to identify what is the best course of action. What do I have? What muscles are working across which joints as efficiently as possible to get myself out of this uncomfortable situation. It will use elastic potential. It will use muscular activation. It will use whatever leverage. We use any technique it can to get it up there again with the resource available. If you can identify where that weak point is at that point, at that fully loaded, dropped, uh, uh, whole shot position, and you can figure out where you're weak, now you've already increased your, your, your strength potential, not by changing CNS response not by changing muscular strength or sarcoplasmic hypertrophy or 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 even motor unit recruitment but rather by changing the path do you guys yeah. follow what i'm saying am i making yeah. myself clear
1: yeah. absolutely
3: okay and that's and i think that's something that's kind of like not the last frontier because there'll always be another one but certainly i think the next kind of frontier for sports um uh for sports improvement, sports performance improvement, so because we've been so focused on you know what are we working with what we have and maximize the potential of what we have, you know uh why don't we try is there something to gain by looking at what else is available to accomplish this goal, this thing that we're trying to do, whatever that is
2: well, I mean, I think that boils down a lot of that has relates right to taking the time to accurately identify your true weaknesses, mhm is what it's all about. And, I mean, I yeah. think the West Coast Side guys got into a lot of this, and people mucked it up. You know, they think, well, I'm doing box squats just because they do. Yeah, yeah. And not doing you, – you do everything for a reason. You find that weakness, and, you know, maybe my box squat needs to be halfway up because I suck right there and I'm weak mm-hmm. there. So I unload that stretch reflex, and I make myself fire from a hard position.
4: So if I hear another raw squatter tell me that they want to sit back more into that box, <laughs> I'm going to scream – because sitting back onto a box for a box squat, you know, as a raw lifter, mm-hmm. you know, to me that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yep. I mean, yep. if you're, if you're, you're that's actually a really good
0: point. To be honest with you, yeah, because you're, you're, people you're, don't you're, understand really why that, why that is really pressed upon to do that.
4: Well, you're sitting back into gear.
0: Exactly. You know, exactly. And, I, and I'm, I'm saying that you're absolutely right. I don't think a lot of people who actually do that realize that the application of that. They just think, well, I should just do that regardless of whether they're raw or, you know, geared up.
2: Yeah, I mean, pulling this back down to the topic, it's, yes, use speed um, and use slow at when it's appropriate. Um, people need to take the time to educate themselves and learn why they do it, not just do it for, you know, giggles.
4: That's exactly <laughs> not good. just
2: do it because it's neat. It's have a purpose for it, and you're going to make gains. Well, I we'll, train just we'll, for giggles. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> what it, comes, think, does, what cool. it tells me to
3: one of the things, one of the things I feel really strongly about is, is, is that everyone, uh, clearly everyone is different. We all know this, we all say it. Okay? We all say, oh, everyone's different, everybody responds differently, sure. But we need to identify every individual's requirements for each lift. Now again, coming back to, to the powerlifting world, of which, I, I, admittedly, I, it's not my, my ballywick, um, but certainly, for the, 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 just Is looking that a at that Canadian
2: at, word there, Ballywick. Ballywick? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: it's strictly Canadian. It's like we spell color with an, with O U. Yeah, and you guess only, yeah. Right. that's
0: definitely a first on Iron Radio.
2: What's that? Uh, that's
0: definitely a first on Iron Radio. Yeah, no one yet. has ever said that. It'll oh, really? Out. Okay, I, I I'm
2: going to start editing that out. <laughs> I was really, I was
0: really wor- waiting for the word
4: forte, but then I heard Ballywick, and you really <laughs> threw me off. <laughs> All right. sorry. I'll,
2: I'll
3: practice my. I guess I should have said forte, more of a French word, right? Uh,
4: um,
3: no. Anyway, as I was saying, like for example, the, you brought up the example of the box squat. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the box squat uh, for uh, for everyone, and I know that it's often prescribed um, for fixing weaknesses in the squat and whatnot, and I see the benefit. But if we're not taking into account, uh, for example, femur length, okay, which is a big one. Uh, which changes the, the entire your stance, your, your, how far you lean forward, how far you sit back, how deep you go—all these factors, um, you know, it, it, how it affects pelvic tilt, uh, lordosis—all that stuff is, is affected by something as simple as femur length. Then we got to be careful about saying, "Do your box squats," you know. And and I know the West Side guys have done some amazing things with the box squats and gotten guys stronger. And I'm not here to say that that there's anything. That you know that, to speak out against that, but just rather, I, I encourage everyone just be really, really careful oh, when we no. start putting blanket statements. You know like, exactly. Li- I agree
2: totally. I think yeah. one of the biggest problems in the industry today is that many of your strength coaches yeah. want their way to be the only way. Absolutely. And they don't let themselves recognize that a squat is not a squat. That there are numerous different yep. body types. Yeah, and uh, the squat needs to be adjusted to that. Just because the way Christopher Drummond, you know, squats with, you know, he's a great squatter, but he has legs that are like four inches long, and I hey, got legs five that are and four a half feet long, <laughs> and uh, you know we have to squat totally different that's to be exactly efficient it. for ourselves, and let alone I mean safe. Yeah. So and
3: and and that's it. There are I think one thing that needs to be brought out more. Um, all due respects to to people who who write books on this on these topics. There are no rules. There are no rules to exercise. There are there's, there's certain principles that identify what each person needs to do. That, yeah. that, that's an approach that I think is often misunderstood. Like, like you said, was, was that Phil that made the comment about the, uh, the, 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 the four-inch legs? And, yeah, who, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so like you were saying, everyone is so different. and so There's so much variation from, from individual to individual. Once we start talking about rules and saying there should-bes and there would-bes yeah. and there could-bes, now we're in trouble. Let's take every situation, let's identify every athlete based on his or her requirements, their weaknesses, their settings, that particular day. I mean, one of the things I argue with, not argue, one of the things I drill into the heads of my, of my, my staff here is, okay, find out, ask them, what did they eat? How did they sleep last night? You know, have they drank enough today? All these factors before you, you, just because you have, oh, today we're gonna do, you know, heavy, heavy singles, you know, uh, before you do that today, maybe you wanna find out if they're up for it. Yeah. You know, before we even get to the the um, the uh, um, the assessment, the postural or the the orthopedic assessment, before you do do any of that stuff, which we we do before any workout, you know, uh, that's 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 the the stickler component, if you will.
2: And I mean, you break it down. Now that we're on the subject of books and whatnot, I think that is one of the largest downfalls. Um, the the amount of information that's out there now is awesome. Yeah, it's great, but it's also hurting people. And it's—I think it's starting to show the true, the true benefit of the strength coach, mm-hmm. and one that knows things. Um, it's that there isn't one only only one way, and I mean it leads a lot of confusion. I get it myself. Uh, me and Charles here with with clients—we'll teach. Mm-hmm. We have three people in there, and maybe they're all three squatting different ways. Well, you just told him to do this. Yeah, but you're not him. Yep. You know, and that's why the you know it's real hard to write a book. Yes, or, or a paper that actually holds water. I mean, it's,
3: that's exactly. Well, it, your book uh, oh. doesn't
2: tell me to do that. Well, you're not the person I was talking about.
3: Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. That's what drives me crazy about it. Oh, oh! I, but I read this book, and that's fantastic. You're not a textbook. Yeah. You're a living, breathing, dynamic, changing, mutable human being, and and to sit there and think that you're going to learn everything you need to learn from a textbook, no matter who was written by, whether it was you know thirty years ago or, or three days ago, it's just not going to apply. Yeah. And unless you have the understanding, appreciation, sensitivity to make the adjustments that you need to make, you can't do it. I mean, I, I write, I write for a supplement company up here, and they uh, they're always on me to, to write out programs and workout programs. and I refuse. I, I won't give a workout program. I won't say do this exercise and then this exercise because I find that again it's too limiting. And you know you're going to have some kid that's going to go out there and say, oh, you know, I read this 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 article and it says to do these many exercises and they're just going to go blindly follow it. I don't know if that kid's capable of doing it. I don't know if that kid should be doing a squat, should be attempting a deadlift, should be, you know, even a curl. Uh, I don't know. So it, it, we we need to be so much more uh, not, not obtuse, if you will, with our statements. We need to be so much more broad and make princ- and ge- and create principles and generalizations and not worry about the specifics. Uh, I think we'll be so much better off as an industry, and I think we'll all make more money in the long run too.
2: Okay. Uh, who wants to draw all this back into some kind of uh conclusion yeah. on the topic? Uh boy. Rob, you want to do this since it was your topic?
0: Oh yeah, I think uh I I th- wow, we've covered a lot of ground here. I, I think I think uh the application of speed or um you know, lack thereof within a rep or within a set is um e- You know, it's pragmatic depending on who the person is, the athlete, what the goals are, all these types of things. And I think, at some, like I said to some kid in the gym last night, um, pretty much everything works or doesn't work depending on the situation, and it's all, it's all situational, and it's all uh, depending on the individual, and it's all on the goals and the orientation towards that. I mean. but certainly, I think for somebody who's young and new to the whole game, going to what kind of what Charles said earlier with the analogy towards martial arts and stuff. I mean, you, I think you have to um, start off at least slow to kind of get yourself grounded in f- as far as the mechanics and so forth of what you want to do. Because um, you, you can't break the rules before you kind of know them, right? Yeah. But and you can't right, be afraid. To, but to you right. can't be afraid
3: to break the rules where necessary and where appropriate.
0: Yeah. You can't what? Sir, huh? You
3: You shouldn't be afraid to break the so-called rules where necessary and appropriate.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. No. I just say you got you got to be kind of aware of you know where to break them and where not to break them. You can't just blindly do it. And which kind of goes also to the whole kind of floundering fish thing, right? You don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do something, you wanted to do it, do it by design and not by accident.
2: Mm-hmm. I think a good rule of thumb is, you know, you earn the right to break the rules mm-hmm. when you perfect the rules. When you make the road – you know. You earn the right to put more weight on the bar when you make that old load your bitch. You know. It's yeah. like, okay, now you can move up, you know.
1: Well yeah. I'd like to summarize by just uh you know, one thing that people can take away from this call I think is um uh, and, and a way to just you know, this is something you could write in your training log, is you know, every time you perform a rep, some period of time should elapse. And uh, I think if you do that, I think you'll have effective workouts. Yeah.
3: There's, there's, that's a that's a that's a good idea i mean
1: that's pretty profound right
3: yeah <laughs> i me write that down um the timing of the timing of of the rap is 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 going to be a, a topic of debate i think that's going to always carry on uh because there, there's again there's no conclusive absolute absolute way to do it there's 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 no right or wrong per se as rob was alluding to at the beginning it's about what you're trying to accomplish where you are in your development as as uh chris was saying um or was that phil like i i can't remember i'm sorry guys <laughs> whoever whoever gets the credit for that comment
4: we we look about the
3: same
2: yeah we cuddle a lot too so yeah
3: okay there you go so the and then big boon though <laughs> So it just—it's about. I think it's about as as with most things as it relates to fitness uh, and training. It's about understanding what, where you are, what you're trying to accomplish, and how you want to do it. Sorry, and will determine how you how you do it, uh, and the safest way. Um, you know, it, and it depends what you're willing to risk. It always comes down to that. What are you willing to risk? Mm-hmm you know uh i work with a bunch of, of of athletes here who who you know gymnasts for example who are willing to do all the the passive stretching and 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 stuff that i'm not a big fan of because they're willing to sacrifice their mobility issues later for hypermobility now it's like, great as long as you're aware of it
2: yeah i mean you know? that comes down to identifying your true goals
3: yep and yep. what
2: fits those goals yep um yeah i mean i think it's there's going to be some sacrifice and always for any any real goal if you want to take it to anything above average
3: so. always that's that's, that's um great.
2: we we had one question I just want to make sure Jason in Omaha doesn't think I missed it here um I think we kind of covered it um he was just mentioning that he gets he gets um cramps in his hamstrings from digging his heels so tight on a bench press um okay. and, and stressing how long it takes to learn how to just simply get tight on, under maximum lifts and whatnot so it's it's more of a statement than a question i just want to get that in there for jason so i think
1: you know that'll enable him to reduce his hamstring training frequency yeah. so um i think it's a good thing
2: well i
4: applaud him because if you're if you're not cramped up in your in your bench press position you're not doing it right anyway yeah.
2: i mean what, what does dave tate say you know it's uh when you think you got tight now just get tighter because <laughs> so, you're not quite there. And turn that um, attention. Yep. No, I think this was a great, a great show, guys. Um, we'll have to do it again. Indeed. And uh, just want to thank everybody for coming. Yeah. Thanks to our guests.
1: Yeah. Chris and Mario, yeah. thanks so much. That was a blast.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. That was fantastic. I loved
4: it.
1: We'll have to now, line we, up another one. You know. If, Indeed. Uh, Looking forward to it. I love like guests that show make
4: getting... me feel dumb. What was that? <laughs> I said I love talking with guests that make me feel dumb, like Mario. <laughs> Because he's just so intelligent. Kind of like Charles, you know. Phil and I, we just sit back, I'm sure, and just go, wow, these guys are smart. But
1: the well, thing could, about yeah, Mario. Ma- Mario is smart and huge. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and I could just hear Christopher back there. To- he was just eating the whole time. He <laughs> hey, I'm
2: down to 263
1: now. <laughs>
4: there you go. Wow.
2: Yeah, I know. That's amazing.
4: There you go. Well,
2: all
3: right, guys,
0: like, guys. So uh, I suppose until next week. Yeah. yeah thanks pretty- a lot, guys. Indeed. Thank you very
3: much, gentlemen. I really do appreciate it.
0: And have a good day. Okay, Bye. thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org. If you're interested in studying a diet
1: or an exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also, to help with regular language, analytic players, qualified exercise physiology,